Hey there, Brenda. It's Carol. Exactly. So which leg are we operating on? You mean arm. It's all connected. Asking the right question can greatly impact your future. Are you sure you're an orthopedist? Actually, I'm a Sagittarius. Especially when it comes to your finances. Do you have a question? Are you a certified financial planner? Yes, I'm a CFP professional. CFP professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and beside me is a man who likes his sugar with coffee and cream. He's the captain. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you, you beautiful people. Let me ask you a question here, Captain. If you mm-hmm. had a little horsey, what would you name it? Um, Hi-Ho Silver. I thought you would say Paul Revere. The answer was Paul Revere. You failed. I always fail. Thanks for listening to the show. Make sure you tell a friend. It means a lot. And thanks to all the beautiful people that share our show on social media. We like your jib. Yeah, and we are here to do our second part of the Emma Filipoff episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, So thank you for joining us in the garage. We are drinking Dirt Wolf by Victory Brewing Company, and we have a few more. And it's definitely not dirt. That's right. We have a few more people to thank for the beer for this week. I'd like to thank Robert in Elgin, Illinois. Robert suggests trying the great beers from Greenbush Brewing Company out of Sawyer, Michigan. He says that they are a great group of people making great beers. Robert, we will check that out. We also have Gio in Vancouver, British Columbia, and Karen, who is our friend in Glassboro, New Jersey. So thank you, Robert, Gio, and Karen. And if you want to buy us around for next week's show, or maybe you just want to buy me around and the captain doesn't get anything, that is just fine with us. Just put that in the donation That's fine notes. With you. you go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the donate button. Yeah, and for everything true crime, go to truecrimegarage.com. Pull us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, all that stuff at True Crime Garage. And thanks for sharing. And we like your gym. Yeah. And all of our old episodes and bonus episodes are available in the iTunes store and at our website, truecrimegarage.com. Go to the store page. So if you haven't listened to part one of the Emma Philipoff case, go do so now and then come back and join us. That's right. That's enough of the business. Gather around, grab a chair, grab some more beer, and let's talk some true crime. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play.
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com slash garage today. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month, while your subscription is active. We have part two of our disappeared case. We are talking about Emma Philipoff, who disappeared from Victoria, British Columbia. She was age 26. She disappeared November 28th, 2012. So we have a missing woman here, Captain, right? Mm -hmm. 
and some say she had been acting strange, and it also appears that maybe she might have been planning something on the day that she went missing. Maybe a move or a travel off somewhere, we don't know. I'm wondering, we talked about this, we wondered if the van was operational that she had that was towed away that morning. And we believe it was operational, but maybe not to have the ability to travel long distances. Yeah, because it, it could have just been need in need of repair. Mm-hmm. Um, we In this van, okay, after she disappeared, they figured out that there were some items, some personal belongings of hers that were found in her red Mazda MPV. You want me to read those off? Yeah, read off your belongings or okay. her belongings. So it was a red Mazda, what is it, MPV? Yeah. And it so, was a 93. So for those of you that don't know, an MPV is actually a very cool van. I've always wanted one. It's It looks like a traditional uh, minivan, but the cool thing about the MPV, it's an actual uh, all-wheel drive vehicle. It's a four-wheel drive. So in the vehicle, they found a passport, a library card, a digital camera, some clothes, a pillow, a laptop, and recently uh, checked out books from the library. Yeah, she frequented the library. There were books that she had checked out, and they also found uh, several of her journals. Now, we had talked about her movements on the 28th, on the day that she went missing, and we know that she went to the 7-Eleven twice, right? Mm -hmm. And on one occasion, she picked up a prepaid credit card, and on another occasion, she came back and picked up a prepaid cell phone. Now, what are the leads in this case, right? Where do we go from the point where she disappeared? So one would want to track either that cell phone or that prepaid credit card, right? Mm-hmm. So we have the prepaid c- credit card. It was tracked down. Uh, they found out that it was being used by a man. He used it to purchase cigarettes. He purchased cigarettes with the card. The man was located. He was questioned, fingerprinted, and even polygraphed. Uh, his claim is that he found the card in the street. Uh, this was about, I believe, 10 kilometers from where Emma had talk to police where she was last yeah, it was seen. around the hotel i believe mm-hmm. and uh he had used it he said he'd found it in the street and because they questioned him thoroughly and they gave him the polygraph they believe him to be totally honest about how he came about finding this credit card or prepaid card yeah this individual also contacted shelly and shelly is emma's mother shelly runs uh, a facebook group on i don't know if she runs it but she's very involved finding emma Uh, Facebook group might want to check that out but he contacted her basically saying like I I told the police what I believe Mm -hmm. but I'm an alcoholic and I could have blacked out and I'm not 100% sure where I found this item at he could have found it somebody could have gave it to him he could have bought it off of somebody sometimes that happens he even said that he could have got it from her he doesn't Hmm. know that's interesting Um, and well here's the thing with the polygraph though right it's it if, if he's telling you what he thinks happened, it's he, right, he's right. going to pass the polygraph. I mean, if he if he just has no freaking idea how he got the thing, you can't catch him in a lie. He just doesn't know. Right. Uh, we don't know what questions were administered during that test. and uh, But for whatever reason. I mean, it's probably started off where, where did you find the credit card? Yeah, yeah that's probably one of the questions. But uh, for whatever reason, the authorities believe him to be as honest as he could be about how he came about finding the card. Mm-hmm. Now, regarding the prepaid cell phone, uh, this cell phone has not been located, but according to the company, uh, the phone has never been activated or used. Right. Um, so that that lead kind of dies down. But there. I think what it's coming, I think where you're going with this though is that it seems to me that she was planning to leave based on getting the. A prepaid, prepaid credit card and getting the cell phone. One thing that I would ask, uh, well, I was going to say ask myself, but uh, I would <laughs> go ahead and ask yourself. We'll wait. I, we'll I all would, wait. I would ask anybody involved in this case, why, why do you need a prepaid credit card when she has a debit card that has access to just under $3,000? Is there, is there something that you can't purchase using a debit card that you Mm -hmm. need to purchase with a prepaid credit card? Or is it just for the fact of you don't want that purchase linked to you? Right. Uh, you know, because you don't have to give a name when you buy a prepaid credit card. You right. just you just have this set amount that you can spend on yeah, whatever. That's, that's an interesting point. 
You know, I'd always wondered about that. Now, you touched on, uh, you talked about Emma's mother, Shelley. Now, we should point out that her mother stayed in the city of Victoria. And again, this is very far from Shelley's home. She stayed there. This is there. across the country. Yeah, it's a, it's a 45-minute drive. I don't know how long it takes to 40, fly there. 45-minute drive. A 45-hour drive. Right, Sorry, right. it's across the country. It's and part two. It's a little loosey-goosey right it, now. It's very late in the garage. But anyway, Victoria uh, is where she was staying, and this is far from her home. You know, she had pets, and more importantly, she had other children to mm-hmm. look after. Some of these are older kids. Um, but she stayed there to look for Emma and to help create awareness regarding Emma's disappearance. Yeah, so originally her plan was that she was going to stay for possibly three days. That was her original plan. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to get my plane ticket, head out there. I'm going to bring my daughter home or at least see what's going on with her because she's been calling me over and over. So she gets out there, mm-hmm. can't find her. They do the missing report. Uh, person report and she figured well i'm just going to stay here for these three days and she's going to turn up after those three days she doesn't turn up and so she says well i'm going to stay a week and she figured i will be able to find her within a week doesn't find her within a week i believe she ends she ends up staying in that hotel for close to three months yeah, it was it was right around the two month or over two month mark um now mm-hmm. but you like you had said she believes she's going to find her daughter, obviously, uh, for several reasons. One, the authorities tell her, you know, given her age, uh, she might just be out with friends. She right. might just be, you know, she's in her mid-20s. She might just be out partying somewhere. She right. may have uh, tied one on and not come home, you know, or not checked into the shelter. Uh, the other thing to think about here, too, is she was living somewhat of a transient lifestyle. You know, she Mm -hmm. was staying on a, on a houseboat or boats. I don't know how big these boats were, if you could even call them a houseboat, but she was staying on boats. She had had stayed at friends' homes. She had stayed in the shelter. And for all we know, she may have even slept a night or two in her van. Um, In the tree. Yeah. So she's living a transient lifestyle. She could turn up any day. And that's really what her mother expected to happen but did not happen and she ends up staying there for just over two months um and you know this is a sticky situation right you know you want to stay there obviously and look for your child you want to stay and do anything you can but you also have all these responsibilities at home and you have others that need you at home and it's just truly a terrible terrible situation yeah but this is your daughter you're going to do anything that you can Right. Mm -hmm. I think I think that's a a given any good mother would. And I think she was doing, you know, as much as she could, which I think, you know, God bless her on that. And I think you have to remain hopeful. But I also think that the cops were not only do we think that maybe she could have just like went and hung out with some friends and she'll turn up. But most of the cops don't believe that there was foul play at this point. Right. They're thinking that, you know, she either is hanging out with somebody or she's she went missing on her own uh, terms. Mm -hmm. And we talked about uh, the documentary that had come out, uh, Finding Emma. And we should point out that that came about because of her mother, Shelly. Right. She got Mm -hmm. in contact with somebody at the CBC and explained her daughter's story to them. And they decided to cover it in this documentary. And it was because of this documentary finding Emma that, uh, it created great awareness for the case. You know, it sent everybody, everybody looking for Emma Mm -hmm. and this creates some leads at first. Uh, and, and the first one that it comes up with is a Emma Philippoff sighting. Uh, this was somebody that had seen what he or she believed was Emma Philippoff. Yeah. It was Um, a coffee shop. Yeah. And have you seen this picture? This was, yes, I have. And this was in nearby Vancouver. Yeah, but right. Vancouver, which has a huge homeless population. But when you saw this picture, what did you think? Uh, I thought the same thing that a lot of people thought it. it, I mean, it looks just like her. Well, yeah. And it's, and it's actually to the point where not even to the point where you say it looks just like her. It's, it is her. You know what I mean? Uh, And actually, and that's exactly what occurred, you know, and and not only that, Captain, 
It's in a nearby proximity to where she went missing. Victoria Mm -hmm. is very close to the big, big city of Vancouver. As Mm -hmm. you said, there is uh, there is a homeless population there. It, so there are people quite large li- living population. a transient lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I believe I'm not I call that the ultimate transient lifestyle. Here's the other thing though. I, mm-hmm. I'm not certain, but I believe that Vancouver is like the Las Vegas of Canada. Not, not with the gambling, but mm-hmm. you know how like Las Vegas with is considered. Strippers. No, oh. I, I don't know about that, but, oh. but, Las Vegas is considered like the the culinary uh, capital of the United States. You know, there's every expensive restaurant you can think of is in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And her having been a chef was interesting to me that that she might find her way to Vancouver, mm-hmm. where where you could earn a, a good living doing that kind of that profession. Um, and as you, but but here's the thing too: it looks exactly like her. Everybody thinks that it's Emma, but not only that, it's it's of a, a woman seen in a coffee shop. Mm. She was known to have visited coffee shops. Well, that's not that far of a stretch. People, Everybody visits coffee shops. Yeah, but I don't stay at a coffee shop. I I get in the aisle, I purchase something, and then I leave. But, but what I'm what I'm but getting you're not at, as cool as everybody. Quit, else. quit sighing because what I'm getting at here is that Emma was known to have sat in coffee shops and and write in her journal and and oh, okay. and stay there for mm. a period of time. The person that said that they had seen her and they said that she was in the coffee shop writing. Yeah. This sounds, this looks like Emma. I think in the picture she's reading, but I'm not hundred percent. Yeah. But But so it looks like her. It looks like her and it's describing actions that she was known to have done. Right. So here we go. It's her. We solved it. We found her. But then here comes the wrinkle. Well, well, before the wrinkle, the Philippoffs are shown the, the picture. Mm-hmm. And they say, like you said, it's over. The case is over. We found our daughter, right. right? Now give us the wrinkle. Well, then the boyfriend of this girl contacts the authorities and says, this is not Emma. This is my girlfriend. And that's basically it. Yeah, but they, they ultimately locate the girl and know that. Well, maybe it's not the boyfriend. I might have screwed that up. You did screw it up a little bit. Yeah. They end up locating the girl and, and they she talk come, to her. Well, no, she came forward. That's mm-hmm. what it was. And it's, I watched a lot of stuff on this man. And it's not her. Unfortunately, right. it's not Emma. Um, it's just somebody else that that's cooler than me that sits in coffee shops and journals. <laughs> um, but the next lead is of, well, okay. This can only be described. There's a few different names for this next lead. Some people call it the missing poster man. Some people call it the green shirt man. I call I, it the green shirt man. You call it the green shirt man. I call it the weird dude man. Uh, this again is taking place in nearby Vancouver. This is about six months after Emma had disappeared. Mm-hmm. A man, of course, wearing a green shirt and jeans enters a small store. Yeah. Kind of boutique type store. Yeah, and he had he had removed a missing persons poster of Emma, right? And he's got it kind of like wound up or crumpled up in his hand. You can see it in yeah, the, in the still I, pictures. Right. I don't think they saw him remove the, the, the poster. He just had a crumpled up poster in his hand. And he pretty rudely told the clerk that the picture was of his girlfriend mm-hmm. and that she was not missing and that she just wants to be left alone. That's the story that I get confused with the coffee shop girl. Yeah, and he and he's very rude about this, right? And yeah. uh, here's the thing. The man, the, the weird missing poster green shirt man dude, he's not been located. You know, the, the authorities want to speak to this man. Well, let's go a little further because I might have some information that you didn't find. Fantastic. So there was, um, with this Finding Emma Facebook page, again, if you have any any information, go check that out. But on their page, they were posting pictures of Emma or just posting different posts. So this bar from Vancouver liked one of the things, and it was talking about the the post was about the green shirt man. We're Mm -hmm. trying to find this guy. And it was like a like, and maybe this bar, so the bar joined the group, liked this post, and at some point said, like, well, look at that, or something like the comment was, looky here, or something like that. And so... Meaning, go ahead. I don't know what it means. 
So did they post a picture? Like, uh, are they? Are we supposed to look for something in the picture? They're just posting a comment. Yeah, they're just so. So the Facebook group posted a picture of the green shirt man. Right on that picture, that this bar liked it, and then made some weird comment. Well, if you go to the Facebook page of this bar and you start sifting through their pictures, guess who's sitting at the bar? The green shirt man. In a green shirt. I don't think he's in a green shirt. But, but they, a guy they, matching the description of the green shirt man. Right. And so I I believe, that, um, and this is what has been so great about uh, the Facebook group. Uh, they're not just sharing stuff on social media. They're actually going out and hitting the pavement and trying to follow these leads and really helping out uh, Shelly and the Philipoff family. So uh, big ups to you guys on the Facebook group. So I believe they went out to the bar and asked questions, and they but they couldn't locate the guy. But it's still a little odd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, the store clerk uh, from, from the convenience store that we were talking about, he is the one that notifies the police after this encounter, mm-hmm. after he's on the wrong end of this rude verbal display by the green shirt man. Uh, he notifies the authorities, and they did have video footage of it. Like you said, there's some still pictures as well. Green and, shirt man. They should have called him the mean shirt man. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this guy has... This is somebody that they obviously want to talk to. This is a man that has not come forward. I'd and, like to talk to him. And which is, you know, which is very troubling. Yeah, it's just such an odd comment. This is my girlfriend and she's missing. Again, the only thing that I, again, maybe there's some weird mental thing going on with this guy. Maybe he's an alcoholic and he's just saying some weird stuff just to say weird stuff. Uh, there's a, I want to know what his intentions are for saying this comment. Oh no, exactly. And that's that's what everybody wants to know. That's the million dollar question. And the the interesting thing here too for me is that, you know, when we talk about these different cases, whether it be a disappearance or a murder or anything like that, we have these weird hearsay incidences from time to time. Mm-hmm. The difference here is this is captured his picture and image has been captured by the the you know, we can see it on the footage from the convenience store. So we know this is not just some store clerk calling in saying this happened and we have to go off of right, what they're right. saying. We we can see it with our own eyes. We know this happened. We know they want to talk to this guy, but we don't know who he is. What are our other leads on this case here, Captain? I mean, we, we talked about some some small leads, right? We talked about the cell phone, the, the credit card, the... Uh, the green mean shirt man, mm-hmm. uh, the the spotting of what we originally thought was Emma, and it turns out not to be her. These are all these are all short stories, right? We have a couple of long stories, I think, that are 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 potential leads in this case. What do you want to dive into our friend uh, Julian again? Yeah, we well we we should you know um, yeah let's let's kick it off there. Okay, so again, like we talked about in part one. We we have this guy Julian that becomes friends, um, new friends with Emma, and then she left in Perth. They become friends in Perth, Ontario, right? And- which is on one side of the country. All of a sudden, now Julian is in uh, Victoria, and this is very odd because what are the chances that you strike up this relationship with this girl? The relationship is then severed. And then a couple months later, you end up in Victoria and he runs into Emma. And and we have to point out here, uh, Julian, by his own words, states that he had no prior knowledge of where Emma was planning to move to. He had no prior knowledge. He, he says he believed that she planned to move out west somewhere. Somewhere, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's a 45-hour drive between... Perth and where she ends up. So there's a lot of places west of Perth, right? Uh, he he knows that she plans on moving out west, and he happens to pick the same city. Yeah, and and he did an interview with the Nighttime Podcast. Our our buddy Jordan um, did that interview with him. You got to check that that out, Nighttime Podcast, and it's I think the third part, right? Yeah. And you want to, he goes into more detail and he explains how he decided to pick uh, Victoria. But 
but he's also honest. Like I had a good relationship with this girl, even though it was severed. Uh, I had a, you know, a fascination with her. She was a positive person in my life. I kind of wanted her to stay in my life. So yeah, I hope I would see her again. So he's working. And one day he catches this girl, uh, you know, her eyes and it's Emma and they talk for a minute and he's at work and he's on lunch break and she says, Oh, well, you know, uh, it was good running into you. We'll have to catch up. And she's asking about his work schedule and, and stuff like that. Yeah. He says that she is pleasantly surprised by his, yeah, by seeing him. Yeah. And maybe, you know, and maybe she's one of those people that believe, okay, some time passed and, and maybe she believes that the universe uh, gives you certain things that you need. And, and sometimes the universe points you into the right direction. So anyways, they, that's at lunchtime. He says to her and, and I applaud him being, being a gentleman. Hey, do you want to come back later and we'll catch up and take you out to eat? And she says to him, well, you know, I don't like to plan things out that far in advance. Mm -hmm. Now I believe she was just saying that as a, you know, a nice way to say no. Uh, but then he runs into her a couple more times now. And and he says, you know, we, we can only go off of his right, story. Based off what you he know, said. there's two sides to the story. We only get to hear one. Well, there's three. but And uh, the one side that we get to hear is his. And he says that I did, I did not try to ask her for a number or, you know, where I could find her. I, I told her where I worked because it was just, you know, a c- couple doors down from where they bumped into one another. Well, and I think she asked, like, what are you doing here? I'm working. Yeah, and he, he he tells her, in, you know, that if you ever want to hang out or if you ever want to catch up with me, you know where I work, just drop in and, and ask for me. Yeah, and sometimes I think, I think that's the best approach that you can have. I mean, you've had situations where maybe you're pushing the issue to have this friendship maybe too much. And so I think he was doing the right thing there where he's like, okay, I still am infatuated with this girl. I still enjoy hanging out with her. You know, he, I mean, I think he made the comment that these 10 minutes that they talked were like some of the te- 10 best minutes of his life. But I mean, who knows? It could just be great conversation. And, and that's something that I love. But, go ahead. But, but I mean, but whether he's, still infatuated with her or not, it might be a great 10 minutes for him because he's in a new place. Maybe he doesn't know anybody yet and he sees a familiar person. And not only that, somebody that he considered to be a very good friend that he obviously wanted to be long-term friends with. Right. And so then he, he claims that he runs into her a couple more times, but the next time he runs into her, she's definitely something's off. She's not pleasantly surprised to see him the second time. Yeah. But and it, but it's like weird because it's, and I don't want to go into too many details because there's so much stuff in that interview that you need to check out. But basically the, the, the short end of the the stick is that he ran into her a couple more times and there was some kind of a friendship that, that went on. Now what he told Jordan in the interview, which he never even told authorities was he saw her the day of November 28th mm-hmm. and he saw her from across the street and she had no shoes on. And, you know, just like her other acquaintance said, and he thought something was up, but again, he didn't want to push the issue because he's done that before. So he just makes the statement to her, Hey, if you ever want to hang out sometime and he, and he kind of talks to her and he leaves. Now what, where we go from here is that we know that Emma went missing. Well, then Julian gets involved in the group. Now at some point, um, he, at some point, Julian sends Facebook messages to Emma's father. Uh, and then I think eventually sends Facebook messages to Emma's mother. But Julian gets involved in the search. Well, and even before that, he had sent a Facebook message to her father because there was a concert in Victoria that he wanted to go to. Right, right. And he was going to go. This wasn't something like he saw Emma and he was like, oh, I'm going to go to this concert. He, well, this was a concert he right. really wanted to go to, and he thought, "Oh, I have somebody here that I know. I could invite her." And mm-hmm. I think, according to him, he says in the Facebook message to her father James, "You know, if if she gets in contact with you, or if you can get in contact with her, let her know I'm going to this concert. I have an extra ticket, 
and she could just drop by my store. Right. Uh, he works at like some kind of outdoor store. I don't know exactly what that means, but, um, yeah, I was trying to sum it up quick because like it's, it's a long interview and there's a lot of details. And so if you really want to dive in that, check out the nighttime podcast, but so there's some weird stuff. And, and, and one of the Facebook messages, he, he says that he was stalking. Now this is coming from a guy that is French. So some of his, the choice of words that he uses sometimes off, right? Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that he saw her the day she went missing and then he gets a part of this group. Well, then this is where it gets weird is because now people are going, this guy's gestures, there's some creepy stuff about it. Mm -hmm. And I think he's well aware of that too. And, and I think most guys have been in a situation where maybe you're a little too infatuated with somebody and you do some things that are borderline creepy, maybe borderline stalker, but you don't see it at the time. You just see, I like this girl. I'm a nice guy. You know, you know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. He checks all those boxes. Yes, 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 yes. 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 He checks all. Th- so then as they can't find Emma, well, he becomes a suspect and he, he then sense removes himself from the group and has not really helped much in in the search anymore. Uh, but law enforcement wants to talk to him, so they bring him in, and he figures that they're going to question him but how, about the disappearance of Emma. But how does he get involved in the search, right? He he bumps into her mother. Yeah, but... Right. No, but he actually hears from one of his friends that Emma's missing. Right. So, so that's because it's national news at this point. Mm-hmm. So he inserts himself in the, the search, but I guess you would too. I mean, first of all, this girl is from Perth, where you're from, and now she's in Victoria, where you're at now, and she went missing, and you don't have any friends here or, or, or a small group of friends if you have any, and so you insert yourself in the search because but, this is a good person that you admire, that you had some fascination with, and you're going to try to uh, help any way you can. I agree with all that. But what I'm saying is he doesn't like walk into a police station and say, hey, I knew her from Perth and I've seen her here a couple times. Mm-hmm. How can I help? No, he bumps into her mother at a library. Uh, the library that, uh, that Emma was known to have gone to from right. time to time. And was he going there to help and look for Emma? We don't know. Was he going there to look for Emma's mother and then insert himself into the, the search or the investigation? Right. We don't know his, 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 his we don't his know intentions. What his, yeah, we don't know what his agenda was. And, and maybe he thought simply, I, I, I'll help. I'm going to help them find her. And then uh, brownie points for me, you know, so I can get closer to Emma. I, look, I don't know. And some of the stuff he did was a little weird. And like I said, it borders creepy at borders stalker some of it it's like he's putting his toe over the line and kind of dancing but anyways the they give him a lie detector right and he passes the polygraph and he even states in the interview that i didn't think they were going to talk about murder they were going to talk about her disappearance Mm -hmm. and so when they started asking questions about you know did you murder emma he just i think he could just kind of shut down altogether Again, that said, once the um, Finding Emma documentary came out, he then went and had a conversation with Jordan, our buddy, uh, doing a podcast. And I feel like if he had something to hide, that he wouldn't do an interview. Right. And it's a long interview. And what Jordan said was, I contacted him. I talked to him for about an hour on the phone. He didn't want to do the interview. And eventually just called back and said, I'll do it. Cause he wanted to clear his name. So not only did he take the polygraph, but he also did this interview uh, on the nighttime podcast. And, uh, and he was in the uh, documentary as well. Yeah. Yeah. He's in, in, uh, and that's he, the he thing. He did some on camera interviews for the documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he seems to be helpful. Um, and I know that uh, here's the reason why the nighttime podcast interview is a must listen. Uh, because it's a lengthy interview. It's extremely interesting. But Very here, well produced. But, but here's the other thing, right? Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things that he says in there. Uh, you know, not our friend Jordan, obviously Jillian, the the, the suspect. Mm-hmm. 
There are a lot of things that Jillian says in there that makes him sound very guilty. There are things in there that he says that make him sound very innocent. Uh, and yeah. there's, there's a portion in there too. I can't remember if it was right at the end or near the end of the interview, but it sounds like he is, he's breaking down a little bit. Like he's getting choked up emotionally. He's the well, emotions I mean, are coming out. Well, yeah. And, 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 and I mean, in a way of somebody that is truly hurt by the disappearance of this woman. Well, not only is he probably hurt that she disappeared, but he's also hurt that he's being after this documentary came out, you know, even though he, he was cooperative, he passed these tests, people are still pointing the finger at this guy. And I think that really bothered him because he's just like, and it also bothers him too. I mean, think about this way. People go, Oh, well you were her acquaintance. Well, you, I guess in definition, he was an acquaintance because they were only friends for a little bit of time, mm-hmm. but they, they were building a friendship and it, and a friendship has to start somewhere. And he considered her a friend. He considered somebody that's uh, positive in his life. And I, I think it's sad. And, and I, yeah, you can see some creepy stuff in his interview, but at the same time, he's opened himself up and he's allowing himself to be vulnerable. And he didn't have to do that. And, and I commend him for doing such. And I think, uh, I think it cleared up a lot of stuff in my mind because as you start diving into the case, you start going, well, maybe this, you know, quote unquote stalker guy. And we only call him a stalker. And most people only call him a stalker because in one of the emails to the father, he used the word stalker. Well, and that's how he's been labeled by others, by the general public. He's, we're not, we don't mean to label him that it's just, but law enforcement does not label him as a stalker. And yeah. And they, they don't know if he's even involved in anything. I I don't think he is. Um, I think uh, okay, that's fine. I think I, he's a little misunderstood. I'm with you on that. I yeah. think he's misunderstood. I think I don't understand him. That's for sure. And uh, yeah, but he doesn't come off as there. There, there is some sweetness and no, and his tone and, and, I and agree, his demeanor. I agree with that 100. percent But the thing that I keep kind of going back to here is on a scale of one to ten. How weird is it that he ends that he goes from Perth to Victoria mm. and and she's in Victoria? I mean, come on, on a scale of one to ten, that's at least a nine, right? Yeah, that's I, very I, close to a ten. I wonder sometimes if it's just maybe he heard conversation in passing. So when he was picking, he was like, Oh yeah, well this Victoria checks off all these things on my list. Yeah, but he had also, some reasons for going there. You're exactly right. Yeah, well, he had tons of reasons. And and his current employer, when he was in Perth, was, had people that had rentals out there. So mm-hmm. it was like, okay, well, now I know where I can get housing. He had a lead on a job. and But I think there was something in the back of his head that like maybe this comment that Emma made where if she was going to go out west it would be one of these cities. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he knew that on some level and was just hopeful. I don't think, look, I mean, it's a very difficult thing when you find somebody and you really enjoy their company, you really enjoy looking at them. It's a, I mean, it's a big risk. You got to open it yourself up to them and, and try to, and you have the fear of being rejected. So I, I don't know. I mean, there's, no. there's parts to me that fit, there's parts when I'm listening to that interview that I just feel bad for him. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I definitely feel bad for him on, on some level, but you know, okay, here's another weird thing too, right? Uh, Shelly, Emma's mom states that, you know, they paid the parents paid for Emma's flight to get her to Victoria. Mm -hmm. However, beforehand she was so ready to go that Emma had purchased a bus ticket to ride out there. And Shelly believes that, that Emma would have walked around with this bus ticket in her back pocket. And that, that somebody that knew her may have been able to see that bus ticket, whether she had told anybody exactly where she was going or not. Right. Well, Emma and (laughs) excuse me, Emma and Julian were constantly taking walks together. So again, who knows? I mean, he he could have seen something, Mm -hmm. but I, again, I don't think that makes him, uh, 
responsible for her disappearance. Circling back to Shelly Filipov. So, you know, we said that she had worked very hard to find her daughter. That's not in dispute here. Mm -hmm. Uh, She put up posters. She went out on the streets. She was showing people pictures of her daughter. She was asking strangers and showing pictures to strangers of her daughter and asking them if, have they seen her? Do they know her? Well, she went on a, a podcast that wasn't famous. Yeah. And I uh, mean, she was doing some crazy stuff. And like I said, I believe she was a big part in spearheading the idea for the documentary, getting that out on the CBC, which made this a a national case. It It brought national attention to Emma's case. Um, there is a, but there's a weird wrinkle here too, right? Captain, there's a, the, a drug charge. Yeah. We, we see a drug charge re against Shelly. Mm-hmm. And this is a, what a result of her son mm-hmm. that, that her son is living with her or staying from time to time and they find drugs and guns in the house. Yeah. What I heard, um, was that he was into real estate. He had four properties, I believe, at the time. And instead of living in one, he decided that he was going to leave all of them. So he was going to he put all of them on the market. Then he took pretty much all his belongings and then put them in his mother's house. So, again, totally reasonable that you would go in and out of your parents' house because you have things in storage. I think everybody's been at that point in their life where they're, maybe they're going from apartment to house and there's this... Uh, overlap. So all his belongings are there and whatever criminal activities he was involved in, the, the law enforcement were following him for a long time. And eventually uh, they charged him with drug charges. So the majority of the charges are going to him, but because this stuff was also found in her house, you know, she's getting charges. It's her address. It's her house. Mm-hmm. He's not technically living there or receiving mail there. Um, so she looks guilty by association basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and most people would not talk about the charges because it's an open case. She's been pretty uh, forthcoming about her explanation of this. You can hear that uh, with Jordan as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and actually she, uh, in my opinion, one stands up very well for herself, mm-hmm. but she's also not making any excuses for her son. No. Uh, and you know, I know she loves her son very much and still does of course. and always will. Um, but, but again, she's not making any excuses for him. Uh, she's not saying whether he's guilty or not, mm-hmm. but, but, uh, she's saying there was something going on there. Well, I talked to a detective today about this too. I was just going over the case and seeing if, if I just missed anything that was pretty obvious. And when he was, when I brought up these dr- drug charges and I explained her explanation, he said that that's very logical to me. So, uh, he, he was on the side of, she's probably not going to eventually, they're probably not going to go through with the charges or if she is charged with them, she's probably not going to be found guilty of them. In all likelihood, they're using that as leverage if they need to get more information. Right. They're going to threaten the mother, the owner of the home. Yeah. Which sucks because she's, she's not going to want to turn on her son. It's a bit of a process though. And it's part of the process. And if they need more information on the son, they might have to threaten jail time to the mother to get that needed information because you know, they're probably, they're probably going after a bigger fish, right? Yeah. And yeah. So they'll, lean on Shelly, then lean on the sun and then keep leaning until they get bigger and bigger people. Um, the first thing I thought though, when I saw these charges brought up was, does this make Emma's actions on the surveillance cameras make sense? Cause it constantly looks like she's looking at, you know, like looking for somebody or she's maybe afraid of somebody, but I, I don't think so. I think these charges have nothing to do with the case. I think it's just one of those weird things. When you have a missing person case, there's normally so little information of the events after, you know, a little bit before. And then basically all you have to go off of is early childhood events, maybe some journal writings, maybe some pictures you found that aren't uh, developed. And then it's just all this randomness. So I think because it was such big news, in Canada that once these charges came out, 
it, just, it was like, oh, now the story gets juicier. But I believe that these charges have nothing to do with Emma's disappearance at all. Yeah, and you know what's funny is the thing that, that resonates with me, the thing that I keep keeps ringing in my ears. You know, we had we had a friend of ours, a friend of the show, once tell us what? You don't get two coincidences in in a disappearance yeah, James Renner. or a murder case. You just in a, in a, an unsolved crime. There's not two coincidences re- as a result of one person being involved. And we have this weird situation here where we have two coincidences with two separate people. We have it with the mother Shelley. You know, she's on the phone with her daughter. Can I come home? Yes, you can come home. Can you come out here and help me? Yes, I can come out here and help you. Oh. I'm told and turned away and told not to come out there, but I come out on my own anyway. And her daughter investigates a ride to the airport the same evening. These are, these are double coincidences that are weird. And then second of all, we have the situation with Jillian who were, they were friends in Perth and he happens to land in the same spot that she landed and he happens to bump into her and he believes he sees her on the last day that she has. Yeah, well, the the whole Emma going to the airport and the mom heading out that way is a coincidence, but it's also a coincidence that she the day that she goes out there that she is report you know she's last seen three hours before she gets there. Mm-hmm. That's a coincidence too. You know, you go out there to to help her and she's gone. You know. Um, but yeah, it's just, I mean, it's such a riddle of a case. And uh, we should also mention that in the area that she went missing from, you know, there was that hotel that we talked about, but there was also a bridge and there was also, um, I think, a arbor going through there. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing, though. We have two people that are close to her, let's say, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, one's a mom, one's a, a friend. Uh, yeah. And two people that are close to her that you could... They are close to the case. Are they suspects? Uh, you can make an argument that they are. I, I don't, I don't see it at the end of the day. I, I. No, I, well, I think first of all, until she's found, everybody's a suspect. Yeah, still, everybody's a suspect. But I also see that maybe in this situation, you do get two coincidences, and and maybe maybe it's, yeah. And maybe you do. That's and one of the things that makes it such a fascinating case. But you but it makes one wonder too. Okay, she looked to Emma looked to have been planning something. She's making preparations for something. Right. Right? Okay, so she this is what's weird, obviously. The the prepaid cell phone is weird. The prepaid credit card is weird when she already has a debit card. Is she running from someone? Is she, or is she just running because that's her nature? Is she running from, because she thinks her mother's coming to town? Right. Is she running because she's bumping into this Jillian guy that he, that she doesn't want to see mm-hmm. that that's a reminder of Perth and maybe she doesn't want a reminder of Perth. Right. Uh, is she trying to get away and also create no link to where she ends up? Uh, we do know that both those items were not used by her. So that seems like a dead end, right? That seems like maybe she, you know, if she took off, she didn't use those preparations. Yeah, yeah well, and she didn't use her credit card. I mean, not her credit card, but her bank <clears throat> accounts weren't touched either. So you don't you don't take any of your possessions. These these things that you are pre- preparing for some reason, this the card, the phone, they're gone. They're not used. And I don't think, I, I don't know. To me, if she did run away, I I don't think she bl- ran away with a right mind. No, no, and and you we'll we'll go down that avenue here in just a second. But one thing I want to talk about real quick is I think that a big solution to this problem is we need to. The reason why it's so difficult to figure out her disappearance is because we don't know what her intentions were that day. We don't know if she was planning something or not. And I, I think the way to figure that out, the answer to that for me is the van, right? She, the, the van is towed and, and we are told that she's a very, she's a very private person. We're told this by not, not just one person. 
We're told this by many people, right? That she yeah, seems I mean, to be a it, very private person. She keeps it, her thoughts yeah. to herself. Her mother says so. Her, her father says and so. And it's almost like with these journals that she writes poetically, so maybe she's the only one that understands them, or maybe it's encrypted, like you said, that maybe mm-hmm. she's the only one that gets it. Right. And the thing that, that's driving me mad here is that she left those journals behind. She left those in the van in somebody else's control. And the thing is, we know a lot about her movements that day, but the thing that I failed to see time and time again in her movements that day, there seems to be no action towards retrieving that van or her belongings that are in the van, Mm -hmm. which seems very strange to me of a very private person. Now, this might point towards what you're talking about, a mental break. Right. You know, and we had talked about the shelter. She had stayed in this shelter at a month this month and a month the next month, you know, from time to time, she's in and out of this shelter. Mm. Now, most of these shelters, you have to obey their curfew rules. And the other thing is you can't show up messed up on drugs or alcohol when you come into these places. I don't know the specifics of this location, but if it carries through to, to the other locations that I know of, what, what the staff was seeing there was they were seeing increased paranoia, they were seeing an increased mental break. They wondered if she was eating. There was a question if she may have been uh, anorexic or bulimic or, mm-hmm. or something of that nature. And there seems to be a lot going on inside of Emma that they are saying, and they don't believe that it's drug-related. There seems to be, she's spiraling, spiraling out of control a bit here. Right. And who knows if that, that prepaid credit card or the prepaid cell phone if those were preparations for her to make an exit or if those were just random things that she did because she's confused. Right. Yeah. And and she could be going in and out of a manic states. So that that's where it becomes, if she gets out of that state, maybe she, you know, maybe that's what really confused me is when she's calling for help, you know, come get me, come get me. And then she says, don't, I, I wonder if it's like, you know, fading in and out of this like reality. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay, what the hell am I doing here? Where's my family? Somebody help me. And then she starts fading back into some kind of more psychotic state. And she's like, no, no, I can handle this. You know, yeah. but, but you still have to make the phone call to the mother. So I don't know. I mean, this is a, it's a riddle uh, wrapped in a mystery. I mean, this is um, a tough one. Well, the thing I really worry about here, and I really kind of lean more towards the side of a mental break or a more diving into a transient lifestyle, um, because we've seen that type of behavior from her in her past at a very young age of 16. She seems to kind of be hopping around trying to figure out things and move from place to place. Mm -hmm. Um, So I lean towards either of those conclusions that she is still out there, that she, uh, whether it be because of a mental issue that she's ended up somewhere or that she chooses to move around or chooses to live elsewhere. I lean that way. But the thing that scares me and the thing that really worries me here is that in either of those situations could have left her very vulnerable and somebody could have taken advantage of that. And, and I mean that for the worse. Um, and that's, that's what's scary here. And that's what, that is what makes me wonder why we've not seen use of that debit card and we've not seen her turn up anywhere. Well, the, like I was saying by the hotel there, the bridge and, and there's this water and they did, they did do some diving to search and they didn't find anything. And what they said was if she did jump into the water, that, she would have floated up. She would have surfaced at some point. Uh, I, but I, there was a, there's a lot of water there, right? Yeah. But the more I've been digging, I, you know, there is also a big percentage of people go, yeah, well that's what people assume what would happen, mm-hmm. but there's a possibility that she would actually be been taken out to sea. Mm-hmm. So my thought, uh, I think the, the conclusion I come up with is, is, if she was having this break and then when she has the encounter with the police, that might even send her off into more spiraling. And if she did, uh, you know, if she ended up passing, it, I think it was through that water. Mm-hmm. 
if she didn't pass through there and she left on her own, I don't think she's left in the in a, a proper mental state. So, and maybe there's, you know, I, I don't know how that stuff works. I'm not a doctor. I'm a captain. Um, but did she just keep fading and fading and, and completely lose touch with reality? And I think this is somewhat of uh, Shelly's thoughts too. And the police have stated multiple times they don't think that there was foul play involved. Right. And so uh, they're saying that for a reason. Um, so like we were talking about Vancouver She's been going to Vancouver a lot, spent some time there and looking because of the big homeless population. And normally, um, based on, you know, there's a huge population of the homeless that have mental illnesses. Your conclusions, Captain, are that this, the water's involved, that probably mental break, suffering some mental health issues. Yeah, one of the two. That were just going on and on and uh, may have led to her taking her own life. Hmm. Or an accidental death? Well, I guess the, you know, the water, if if there was some suicidal thought, maybe that she was just having this break. And it's hard to say, it's hard to say suicide because, you know. mental illness doesn't always lead to suicide. We know that. And, and sometimes it can lead to bouts of amnesia too. Well, no, but what I'm saying is that like, I don't know, like. It, that's just a tough, that whole situation is just a, a tough thing in general. But I think it, it would have been because of the mental illness that she would say, that she would think in her head, I'm going to jump into this water. Yeah, and I, I lean towards the mental illness thing or transient lifestyle. Um, we, one, because we've seen both behaviors. In yeah, her. but the transient lifestyle just doesn't make any sense to me. Like you just leave all your belongings Here's the other thing that here's my big question. But they they may go hand in hand, is what I'm saying. No, no, I no, I see that, but but I think there's a big difference between being homeless and being a transient lifestyle. My big question, and I would like to know this answer, is she when we brought up those selfies, the pictures with the selfies, Mm -hmm. and we brought up that they found a digital camera in her van, right? They would have, hopefully somebody would have knowledge of which cameras she had. And I'd be interested if one of those cameras were missing. Because I think if she's going to take out on her own, I think that's the one thing she would not leave behind. You're saying she may have had multiple cameras. And even though there was a camera found in the van, that she may have taken another camera. Was there another camera? Or was she just known to have this one camera and they found that one camera? Because to me, that's a, that's a, you know, I could leave a lot of stuff behind, but there's certain items that I couldn't as far as an artist goes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just, I mean, when you go on vacation, when I go on vacation, I have to take a guitar with me. Like, I just have to. Well, that's my work, but I have to take, you know, I can't go on vacation without a guitar. And and the thing for me, Captain, that would, would present some answers to me and help me come up with a better conclusion would be, like I said, was there, can anybody find any evidence that on November 28th that she was trying to locate her van or she, because we know the, she had the money to retrieve it. Uh, mm. and, and being a private person, I wonder about having those journals left in the van out of her control, um, what that would mean to her. Um, so that's, that's one answer that I need in this case. And there's, there's many, many answers that need to be, to be solved. Um, it's a fascinating case. It's it, There's a lot of weird things that happened leading up to her disappearance, and it only left us with so many questions afterward. Yeah, we're just, and really, I mean, we could have talked about another couple episodes. Yeah, let's stay here till Thursday. <laughs> no, listen, we, we don't have time for that. But the main reason that we, we're talking about this case is um, to try to help in any way we can. This case uh, was big in Canada, but there has been, you know, I've seen things where there's sightings in Vancouver. I've seen that there are possible sightings in Seattle. So anything that we can do to get the word out and and we're going to, like I said, post pictures and stuff. And, and hopefully we can just create awareness. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and even though they found her passport in the van, her mother has always said that the United States would have been somewhere that she could have ended up. You know, she could have easily traveled to the States. So we need to locate Emma Filipov. She was five foot five, 
approximately 90 to about 110 pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had blonde hair at times, yeah. brown hair at times. Sandy blonde hair. Um, and she would be 30 years old this year. Um, and you can get more information at the Facebook page, Help Find Emma. You can get a better description there. There's also ways to report a tip. Uh, I would recommend if you believe that you see her or you know her whereabouts, you can call 911. Um, anything that you can do to help and check out the Facebook page, Help Find Emma. And also, as we post pictures of Emma, feel free to share those on social media to help spread the word so we can help um, Shelly and the Philippoff family. I mean, because it's just a, a sad thing. And I know we brought up some questionable things about the family. That's just basically to cover the whole case. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't think there's any um, involvement at all. Again, um, take a look. Be on the lookout. Do whatever you can. Uh, and let's um, help this family out. Thanks to all of you for joining us in the garage this week. Thanks again to our sponsors. And a big thank you to Jordan from the Nighttime Podcast. Yeah, check that out. Uh, part one. Part two and part three, he interviews Shelly and interviews Julian. And um, just keep doing what you're doing, Jordan. For everything true crime, go to truecrimegarage.com and make sure you sign up on the mailing list. And until next week, be good, be kind, and don't let it. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.